Hi guys, welcome to the Art of Acquisitions podcast. Here we discuss how you can create cash flow and grow your wealth with acquisitions. We have a great guest lineup, including Craig. Craig bought two businesses with 10 million in sales, no money down. And Alan, Alan has led multiple deals ranging in value from 1 million to 9 billion. Yes, that was right, 1 million to 9 billion. Art of Acquisitions, simply the fastest strategy to create cash flow and grow your wealth. Hello, welcome. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, taylorcapital.co.uk. Today we have the pleasure and privilege of Paul, Paul Abercrombie. He's from Bulletproof Developments. And uh, in his last 10 years, Paul has been the, the lead development manager, manager of developments for a total GDV of nearly half a billion pounds. Well, that, I find that incredible, Paul. And what we're going to have insights today from are what are the top three you know, potholes, what are the top three problems that Paul finds time and time again for, that are consistent throughout all developments. Um, and then we're going to find out at the end what Paul thinks are the top tips, the top takeaways of what you should be incorporating within your developments to try and mitigate risk uh, so that you're the darling of the development finance houses. Um, so anyway, welcome, Paul. Thanks very welcome. much for coming Hi, on the show. Thanks very Good much. to be here. Probably nobody better in this uh, environment, you know, to help us, because um, he's going to be coming on again yeah. uh, in the future yeah. to go maybe a deeper dive on that and to show you what he's got as well, and maybe be able to help some of the people in the community. Like, um, this is not a starter strategy. I've got to put that, that out there, you know, straight away. Um, remember when we started out in commercial, we start with, uh, you know, really simplified strategies. The ABCs, always buy cash flow shops and uppers, keep it really simple. But for people like kind of uh, Alex Impey, for example, who likes more advanced stuff, then uh, that's where Paul really comes into his own. But really what we want to find out is the problems, the challenges. What's the biggest three things that you see all the time for developers, commercial conversions, new build, whatever it may be? What are the biggest three things yep. that you so, see? So firstly, just a quick caveat, because I, I don't want to take credit as the developer for any of the developments that I've been involved with, because I wish but I was the developer. Few, but yeah, no. <laughs> um, so I've come in from a background as acting as development manager for mm -hmm. um, a number of family offices, both mm -hmm. UK based and international based family yeah. offices and uh, family offices and investors. And over the time, we see the same common mistakes same being mistakes. made by, by developers. Um, and it's such a repeat pattern, which is why we've we've well, why I've formed uh, Bulletproof Development to provide the right education to developers, yeah. Yeah. because they can easily avoid the mistakes before they start the before before they start the development. Yeah, yeah. if it's just a, an approach to to, yeah. to development, um, uh, and the biggest one we see is, and if you want to define the first point, it would mm. be set some risk management standards now. Yeah. When people look at a development appraisal, when they look at a project, when they, mm. they, they look at something, the good developers tend to have the same approach every, every single time. time. And they're not trying to squeeze numbers and no. boxes. And Whatever the numbers are, the numbers are based on the comps. Yeah. And that's just what it is. And what you often find is maybe it's a case of a de developer hasn't found a deal for a long time and really wants to get something started or mm -hmm. has an emotional attachment to a project but they tend to tweak the numbers 
<laughs> to, to make it fit to make it fit and make that yeah. GDV figure or make the end development figure on the appraisal fit a box yeah. to allow I, them to proceed. I think that's understandable because sometimes you see a building and you get emotionally attached. You just fall in love with the thing and you want to try and massage the figures to yes. make the whole thing work, even though you know deep down that that's going to cause problems down the road, uh, which is a bit of a human issue, this, isn't it? So Yeah, 100%. You get, we get an emotional attachment to our business. We get an emotional attachment to, yeah. to, to many things in life. It's, so what can we do to prevent this? So some fundamental rules in terms of, if you're looking at it from an early stage, from a development mm. appraisal stage, and to some people these would be really basic, but to others, mm. just, it's just not a process they follow. Um, the first one would be once you know your GDV figure, the gross yeah. development fa- figure, would be to pull that back slightly. Yeah. So people tend to work the opposite way. They mm. tend to be slightly too optimistic on their on their yeah. GDP to get the development to move well, the forward. Comps aren't real comps. Yeah. And it's well, just well, let's pick the best comps. Correct. Uh, instead of there's the base, there's ten percent down, twenty percent down. Are we still making the fifty percent profit yeah. margin? So it might sound a little bit pessimistic, but but yeah. pull back that GDV slightly uh, when you're looking at development appraisal because it will just give you that cushion. Um, in, in, in doing it. Absolutely. And, and we all know we're in the biggest bull run that's ever been. Um, yeah. You know, and they always come in cycles, usually every 8.9, I think it's 8.9 and 9.5 years or something. So we're in the longest ever bull run, which obviously is going to end. The roller coaster is going to go over the other edge at some point. Who knows when? Uh, thank goodness for past Brexit. Um, but, you know, you don't know when these things are going to happen. So imagine if your GDV takes a 10% hit. You've really got to factor that in day yeah. one. No, for sure. And the same approach has to be taken with your development costs or your construction costs. And yeah. you should work that in the opposite way. Absolutely. You should be, you know, you should be over edge the, 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 the construction costs and development costs because yeah. whilst people put in a developer's contingency into mm. their development appraisals almost all of the time, they always take the figure that they're given by the contractor. Now, I would say <laughs> take the figure yeah. that's given to you by a contractor or, or by then, subcontractors, increase that and then add the developer's contingency. And then go and test it. Yeah, yeah because and, 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 and again, you're just building in a level of comfort that, mm. to allow you to you know, really risk manage what's there. Risk manage, identify risk manager, or in my preference, I always like to transfer if I can, mitigate somehow, transfer and sure against. Uh, you know, with my public-private partnerships that we do, um, where you're not taking on the risk, which yeah. is my preferred option. You don't obviously make as much money, so I've got a caveat that, because uh, you're sharing the profits, but you're also transferring the risk. If you're a business owner, professional, or SaaS pension trustee, and you want to stop the inflation erosion of your capital, you want to create cash flow and grow your retirement capital, but you just don't have the time, Do you want the baby without the labour pains? Then if you qualify, you may be able to invest with us. If that's you, pop along to taylorcapital.co.uk. We do the deals so you don't have to. It's kind of like the Netflix of investing. I think, um, you know, what you're seeing there is right on the money. And I think another thing that has some form of elasticity are your finance costs. Yes. Because you don't know when you're getting out the back end, do you? No. So, so one thing that whenever whenever we looked at a, a development on behalf of a, a family office or an investor at an early stage, we would calculate the interest costs based on the full amount of the loan for the term of the loan. Yeah. So you, when you have your cash flow and your curve, obviously interest is only payable when 
that loan is drawn down. But if your development still works on absorbing yeah. the full interest amount on the full loan value for the full term, yeah. then it's going to work at the end. Yeah, absolutely. You got some fun um, in there. So there's just now that might mean by putting in those risk management standards, yeah. you undertake less developments. Yeah. But what it does do is keep you in the game for longer because you're <laughs> not going to you're not going to you know run into a disaster um, on on almost every yeah. single development. And the only man that wins at the end of the day is the one that's still there. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Correct. Correct. And have you ever had a development that's never met problems? Because in my experience, there's always problems of this, that, and the other. You know, no. something. No, you, you, you no. What people tend to um, tend to forget is if you take a ten million pound mm. construction value on a project, say as a, as, a, as a workable number. Now, if you had a ten million pound a year business, mm. you would have problems in your business every a- single absolutely. day. Absolutely. Yeah. And a, and a development project. Is, it's just the same. It's just the same. It's a, it's a yeah. ten million pound business that you are operating for the term of that development, whether that be one year, two years, eighteen yeah. months. However, it's it's a live beast, isn't it? Yeah. And, and so, no, I've never participated in a project that hasn't had an issue or a drama of some sort. Yeah. And the biggest one that comes from that is insolvency of somebody in the supply chain, because yeah. that has probably happened on almost every single project I've ever worked every on. Every single project. <laughs> Wait a minute. Not, not, not the main contractor, no, no, yeah, no. But, not, but somebody. But somebody in, in the, the supply, supply chain. chain. Sub, a somebody of some description. Yes, a subcontractor, a supplier. So Paul's been involved in nearly half a billion pound of developments as you know project manager lead developer not the developer but development manager development yes. manager yeah. and in all those projects he's never seen a project that's never gone without problems yeah correct yeah. so it obviously underlines it's a very risky enterprise number one which is why if you're starting out in commercial i would suggest perhaps it's not something you want to jump into day one you want to stick with something really bread and butter perhaps a hybrid strategy for example like a shops and uppers learn about you know slicing and dicing title splitting and you know hybrid strategies hybrid structures um that's kind of where you start off because there's a little bit of resi and there's a little bit of commercial and get your feet wet and then move on to other more advanced strategies down the road um what's your thoughts on yeah that? Look, for sure development that i've seen in, in if you look at property strategies and strategies mm-hmm. to go forward development for sure gives you the you know the highest risk if yeah. done uh, the highest risk but also the yeah, highest, highest reward, reward absolutely. If, if done well um, th- there are it shouldn't be all you know stay away from development because there are if you understand how to operate a development properly and you put the right caveats in place and you put the right risk management in place you can protect your interests yeah. see the biggest mistake i see a lot of people doing is is entering into a contract with one single entity so in the old fashioned way yeah. You so would, you one would, main contractor. Yeah, well, you would go and find one main builder, one main contractor, and you would go into one contract. What kind of values are you talking about? Up to two and a half. Two. No, this is a, this is a strategy that can the, 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 the can pass that. Yeah. It can be it can be used at you know it can be used at a low level you know for somebody who's doing yeah. a heavy refurbishment yeah. or a light refurbishment project and and it's and it is for certainly for sure one hundred percent the strategy that yeah. that huge developers are using. It's the only strategy they right. use. So if 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 you Let's pick a house builder, for instance. Mm. If you take one of the big house builders, the house builders, whilst they're developers, they're also the contractor. Yeah. Okay, so they don't enter into a main contract no. with a contractor. So there is risk mitigation, basically. Ring yes. fencing, side yes. of the ring. Yeah. You, you, you effectively pull in a team of managers, whether that be a site manager or a, you know, a, a project manager, to yeah. act on your behalf as the developer. Mm-hmm. And then you package the work into subcontract packages. Yeah. So you have multiple packages of subcontractors 
Um, but if one of those subcontractors fails for any reason, you simply the remove the one subcontractor and bring a new one in as opposed to having to find a new main contractor. Yeah. And is that what you do most of the time? So uh, Irrelevant to the size of the deal? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so what our, our number one strategy when entering into a development mm. for anybody is to implement that system. Yeah. We, we never use one single contract with yeah. one single so contractor. So ring fence, you know, Nuco, SPV management company. Correct. Um, that then employs a subbies direct. Correct. And a PM or whatever. So you, you have your development SPV that's purchased yeah. the, the site, the project. You have a second SPV that in, in for, you know, for the purposes of what we're talking about, becomes the contractor, yeah, and then you issue subcontracts to the supply yeah. chain. But this is a, it's a strategy that whilst larger developers are carrying it out, it's something mm. that, that is not, you know, for some reason there's a resistance to it in, in lower projects, or maybe there's just not the knowledge that you can do that. Yes. Um, and people tend to go into a design and build mm. contract or a, you know, a main uh, JCT um, it, contract. It looks like we're getting a call. <laughs> One of the viewers is calling in. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, so it, it, it's just a strategy that people are not aware of. And, yeah. and actually, a, a design and build contract, whilst it's the easiest contract to enter into, mm. it's also probably the worst. Because what happens is when you add a design element into a contractor or a subcontractor, mm. to them that means risk. So they increase their prices to cover that risk element. Yeah, plus, if, if, even if you do the other way where you've got your, all your professionals around you, you get all the permissions in place, and then he innovates over to you know that design and yes. build. Then it, all of a sudden he's working against you, which is no good thing either. No. no. <laughs> and and the other problem that we see with which is something that most guys, uh, most developers out there should do, and it, and it sounds such a simple one, but is is really implement a document management system. Mm. And when you undertake a development, the the amount of drawings, documents, mm. information that you get can be a lot. Yeah. And and now in the common world we live at, most people document management system is their email system <laughs> is their is their outlook and and i've seen developments w incur huge delays and costs because somebody can't find the, the right do a, the a right document place. at the end that needs yeah. to be provided to the warranty provider or to building yeah. control in order to progress and i think it's important to highlight if you're not that person that's um technical or documented minded uh, then get somebody in on the team who is Yes. That's, his purpose is to project yeah. manage and collate and distribute all the information. And split, you know, for instance, if you a larger project could have hundreds of drawings, mm. you know, often, you know, up to a thousand Absolutely. drawings, if, yeah. if not. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important in a document management system so you can get access to the information quickly mm. to separate the folders in maybe into floors or mm. into phases or into sections of the development so that you can get access to the information quickly because yes. it can cause a delay. But there's a number of things that cause, I mean, going back to that innovation of your professional team over to the other side, uh, we just finished one that was uh, a, a demolition, 13,000 square feet, demolition, rebuild, 12 affordables upstairs, two commercials on the ground, and lo and behold, the chaps that were working with us allowed an off-spec uh, situation to happen. And obviously a builder being a builder wants the law of least effort, which is the cheapest road. And we have sewers coming down into this commercial property now. You know, water drains, sewer yeah. drains, and all this kind of thing. And uh, it's caused mayhem. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's been an issue, not for me, um, because as I say, we identified the risk and transferred them. Um, but it is an issue nonetheless, and it's delayed the whole project. Um, in the next project, you know, for the next one, I'm looking at as a as a demolition again, 99 new build, hopefully modular. Well, what do you know about modular, and how much does that decrease risk? 
Uh, you mean modular is in bringing in uh, pod, con pod yeah. pre pre-built construction off-site yeah, and yeah, bringing yeah. it into site? Yeah, for sure. Look, it's it's um, we've we've used it once um, where we had uh, a building that was effectively constructed out of a series of porter cabins and then cladded <laughs> on the outside, which is a, a version of yeah, yeah. modular construction. Um, it it depends on your appetite as a developer and how out there you how want comfortable to, yeah how comfortable yeah. you are yeah. because for sure you it, when you use a modular company we're going back to mm. the risk of a main contract or yeah. a contractor so he's got that everything you're now picking a factory yeah. and you're and you're asking that factory to fulfill your contract yeah, now so you can caveat that with uh, credit risk assessments and, yeah. and, and various but ways but at the end of, of the day they go they go yeah. you've got an issue yes and you and you have an and issue and who's got the deal um, not the contractor. No, <laughs> correct. Um, so it, for sure, um, a common one that's found, which is which is, a, I guess, a hybrid model of that, is SIP panels, isn't it? Is yeah, because it's you, you know yeah. you have a you have a, an element of a supply chain from the mm. SIP panel provider, and then you have a, yeah. a contractor or absolutely. subcontract chain that can can implement that for you. Yes, I'm just conscious of the time, and uh, we're at roughly. I like to keep these quite short. So, closing out, three tips, top tips for somebody uh, that's you know to try and de-risk projects, identify de-risk projects, uh, mitigate issues to go wrong. So a tip, top tip number one is uh, have your own contracting, main contracting company, uh, yeah. appoint a PM. Obviously you've got insurances to think about there uh, and then independently uh, contract with different trades. Yeah, so could yeah. consider construction management as a method of procurement as opposed to a typical JCT standard contract or yeah. design and build contract with one contractor for sure. Yeah. Um, the next one is be very strict with your risk management procedures and, and really yeah. get set your risk management, you know, implement a firm risk management policy that you look at and keep the same on every development. Mm. Um, and my last one would be stick to what you know. Yeah. Now, if, if you don't know, get somebody who does. <laughs> correct. Because there are so many, I would see developers, one minute they're building a, a collection of houses, next minute they're building Both apartments, flats, next yeah. minute they're building commercial space. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they become jack of all trades, but master of none. Yeah. And the ones that are successful tend to stick with what they know. Yeah, one point of attack. Um, yeah. And repeat that every single time they move into a development. So I would say pick an ideal development type yeah. and, and really stick to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's been uh, really, really insightful. The, the other thing that um, Paul's doing is he's releasing uh, a program to help people uh, decrease risks in developments and uh, increase margins and increase safety uh, measures that banks seem to like. Development finances love these measures. So how can people get in touch with you, Paul? Yeah, so uh, bulletproof-development.com um, where we, uh, and we're just about to launch a, a training program, a three-day masterclass um, mm -hmm. where we take developers over, I guess, the journey of lessons that I've learned over the past 10 years, 10 of, years. of working for developers and, and very centrally focused around management of risk and making sure you get out of the first development onto the second one. Yes. Because, because, you know, <laughs> it sounds simple, but so many people don't. Absolutely. Well, hopefully that's been helpful, everyone. And uh, thanks very much for tuning into the show at taylorcapital.co.uk. And Paul, it's been a Thank pleasure. You. Thanks, thanks very much. Cheers. Speak to you soon. Bye.